It's the Last Call podcast and uh, with Chris Michaels, and I'm going to be doing quick five to ten minute podcasts. So what does this mean for you? It means tolerable audio, almost no show prep, and mediocre content. So gird your loins for that. This comes from Igor Chudov. Uh, on his substack, booster caused IG capital G for immune tolerance explains excess mortality and chronic COVID. This article is interesting because he actually goes into what is potentially happening with all of the people that have gotten at least two doses of whatever it is. And if you're getting three, four, five doses, then it really goes to show you how dangerous this could be. So what he says is, he references an article, the train wreck of all train wrecks, billions of people stuck with a broken immune response, which is exactly what I've been saying for a long time. The more injections, the worse off you are with your immune system. Science Immunology came out with an article, uh, class switch towards uh, towards non-inflammatory IG capital G4 antibodies after repeated SARS-CoV-2 mRNA vaccination. So what does this mean? What are these IGs, I small g, capital G, four antibodies? They basically allow your immune system to not cause a reaction to something that gets into your body. So in other words, if you're walking around and you smell pollen, and all of a sudden you're sneezing, you're coughing, you're wheezing, everything else. But as you do things to counteract that or saturate your body with that kind of pollen, such as eating local honey and all of that, then your immune system does not have the reaction that it did. So you would not be sneezing, coughing, wheezing. This is the same kind of response that they're generating, supposedly, according to Igor Chudov, with these booster shots. Our immune systems are complicated. We do not need to fight dangerous replicating pathogens. At the, well, we do need. At the same time, we also face harmless inert substances, such as tree pollen, that sometimes cause inflammatory reactions called allergies. So what does the immune system do with a particular type of antibody called IG, capital G4, that do the opposite of what we are used to hearing. They bind to allergens and tell our immune systems or immune cells to ignore them rather than cause inflammation. So you can kind of piece together how potentially dangerous this is because if your body is trying to counteract something, let's just assume it's a spike protein from a coronavirus, with all of these boosters, your immune system is being shut off, right? So you're going to have a lot of these Ig, capital G, four antibodies working. And so even though you have those antibodies in your system, your immune system is shut off, there's no immune response, but it doesn't mean those spike proteins couldn't potentially be dangerous to you. And as a result of these repeat antigen shots, the immune system develops non-inflammatory Ig capital G4 antibodies. It's a good idea, he says, not to have inflammation in response to pollen. Very good. It is a bad idea to train our immune system to ignore replicating pathogens. It would look like a mild infection 
without a serious fever that would last much longer than necessary and cause organ damage if you were to do something like this in response to a COVID-19 virus. So, he concludes, IG capital G4 antibodies have the opposite effect to all other types of antibodies and make our immune system ignore the antigen they are trained to detect. And switching to IG capital G4 binding against a viral agent is like opening your house doors wide for robbers and ignoring them as they ruffle through. I think he means rifle through, use the wrong vowel. Your drawers. Nobody should be rifling through my drawers. The robbery would be, will be mild, quote unquote, but the thieves will take away your stuff and then they will come back again. So what does this mean? It's, it's exactly what I said before. You have these IG capital G4 cells going in there telling your body don't generate an immune response, but what's in your body is actually dangerous. So your immune system has been shut off. Now, it doesn't mean that these antibodies don't eventually turn on. But as we find out later on in his article, these antibodies eventually take months to start up. So what does immune tolerance do, which is essentially what he's referring to? Immune tolerance prevents rapid clearance of the infection, or prevents rapid uh, clearance of the infection, making boosted people the slowest to clear COVID-19. Important to note, because how many people have you heard of recently? Oh, I have a cold. Oh, the cold turned into a flu. Oh, the flu turned into bronchitis. Oh, it turned into pneumonia. Oh, and then all of a sudden the doctor comes back and says, oh no, it was just the flu. Well, the flu, normally you have aches, pains, fevers, all that. These people are being told that they've got the flu and they have none of the symptoms of the flu. It would seem as though they have immune tolerance. That's what it seems like. Second point he makes about immune tolerance, it prevents the formation of lasting, neutralizing immunity, thus making affected people suffer from repeat reinfections. In other words, forget herd immunity. The other absence of herd immunity can be seen, and he makes reference to Santa Clara, California using wastewater testing. So this kind of study is extremely telling because these reinfections occur at the same time these government agencies tell you that it's time to get your booster. Remember when they said, at least in the past couple of weeks, Santa will not be visiting unless you have your booster shot. Really, I'm pretty sure uh, everything will be quite all right if almost none of us get a booster shot. And one of the uh, one of the side effects of all this um, actually turns out to be that it causes inflammation in various organs such as your heart such as you know all of the things that we've been hearing about and it takes time for immune tolerance to develop after boosting and he also makes reference to another immunology article and he says that this they go through a big study of 25 to 78 days after a second mrna shot this supports the hypothesis that the switch to ig capital g4 is a consequence of ongoing gc maturation Um, 
and that it takes several months until IG capital G4 switched memory B cells appear. This taking months to develop is a biological time bomb. It takes the germinal centers months after the third injection to switch to the useless IG capital G4 uh, cells. So what is all of this basically allowing us to conclude? It is that there is going to be excess mortality because there has been no immune response in the immune systems of the vaccinated because their bodies have essentially been switched off to not respond to this particular type of virus. And then I'm going to conclude it with something from the Federal Register from June of 1984. It's an article, uh, basically, volume 49, number 107, if anybody cares to do a Google search on that one, in uh, uh, Rules and Regulations. They're making reference to the polio vaccine that is taken orally. And basically, to sum it all up, the FDA is making an argument, and it's not unlike what we experienced during COVID. The FDA is making the argument that we've got no time to enforce our regulations. We must introduce this polio vaccine to the public at large. Now, the fault in their argument is that the only reason why polio cases declined from 19, I think 53 is what they referenced. Yeah, 1953 to 1983 is due to polio vaccines. They do not factor in any other potential cause for the decline in polio cases, such as better living conditions, better food sources, so on and so forth. The only reason why, in their view, is because of this vaccine. So ultimately, what did they do? The same thing that they did during COVID with the approval of Cominarty. The original vaccine is different from what they are introducing into the market. The original vaccine would not meet the same standards as the new, as what they want to uh, introduce into the market as a whole due to increased regulations and policies. But they say, we don't have time to create a new polio vaccine that would meet the new standards and regulations. We just have to introduce it into the market as soon as possible. But the point that I'm trying to bring up with this is that how, and I'm going to quote this, however, although the continued availability of the vaccine may not be in immediate jeopardy, any possible doubts, whether or not well-founded, about the safety of the vaccine cannot be allowed to exist in view of the need to assure that the vaccine will continue to be used to the maximum extent consistent with the nation's public health objectives. Accordingly, because of the importance of the vaccine and of maintaining public confidence in the immunization program that depends on it, good cause exists to issue these amendments as a final rule effective immediately. The fact that the amendment relieves a restriction also justifies making the rule effective immediately. In other words, you were not allowed to question the efficacy of the polio vaccines. The original ones that were introduced into the market do not meet the standards later on down the road, 
but you're not allowed to question that. So they removed the restrictions that they were introduced that were introduced later on just to make sure that this polio vaccine could still be injected or orally taken by countless Americans. Same thing happened with COVID. Nothing is new under the sun. It's all the same methods. It's all bait and switch. And they do not have our best interests in mind. We have to do our own research. We have to make sure that we read everything. If we don't know a word, we look it up. And if we're curious about other aspects of that word or other big words, because you know how much I struggle with big words, then we look those up too and we draw our own conclusions. And we err on the side of safety, something that the FDA does not do. Okay, so I made it. I didn't do 10 minutes, I did 13 minutes. Uh, I may do another one, two, three, or four of these this week. I'll probably keep it to about 13 minutes. As always, you can like me, find me, share me. Last Call Podcast with Chris Michaels.